Hi there, this is Brian Barnett with The Last Symptom. When I started The Last Symptom, I never in a million years imagined it would grow as it has. In these early shows especially, audio quality was often iffy, and there were references to services or online groups that are outdated and no longer in use. Great improvements have been made. Where should you go for all of the most up-to-date resources that I offer? TheLastSymptom.com is my permanent website full of free resources where everything is always up to date and that I encourage you to refer back to often. There are also a few modest paid resources at TheLastSymptom.com. These support my efforts and have allowed The Last Symptom to exist for as long as it has. These include one-on-one phone conversations with me one-on-one Zoom video calls with me, and perhaps most importantly, the Last Symptom Fundamentals course, which is a two-week, intensive, pre-recorded online video course that is far superior to things like DBT. The Last Symptom has a flourishing YouTube and Rumble channel where I publish regular orange slices, which are condensed video insights of five or ten minutes in length. If you're just now discovering the last symptom, welcome. I hope you will find every insight and resource you need here for authentic and permanent recovery from emotional disorders such as borderline personality disorder. Now on to the show. Brian Barnett is just a regular guy. He's not a doctor. He has no legal license in any field of mental health nor emotional health. Brian Barnett merely shares the insights he has gained from his personal experiences for anybody who may choose to use such information as they individually and personally choose while accepting full responsibility for their own individual thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. Brian Barnett assumes no responsibility whatsoever for anybody's individual choice to expose himself or herself to any information that Brian Barnett shares And by listening to this program, you are acknowledging that you, and only you, are responsible for your own thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. Happy Thursday, everybody. This is Brian Barnett. You're listening to The Last Symptom Podcast. And uh, what I thought I'd do today is share some of my personal experiences, my private, the private personal details of some of my experience. I often make reference to uh, a life crisis as the turning point for me. You see, I went 35 years without knowing or even suspecting that I had any sort of disorder. I lived self-contained within myself. Um, I didn't share my worries or concerns with people. Uh, I felt like it was up to me. It was up to me to uh, figure things out, live life. Uh, succeed or fail and this was regardless of any friends I might have had at the time or my marriage or any relationships it was me just me I was a I was an island (laughs) I mean uh, aren't we all aren't we all an island but I mean I was really an island with uh, great big castle walls all around it and that was how I lived life so at 35, 
I had a major life crisis. And I often talk about this crisis, but I've never really given you any details about what that crisis involved. So I'll, I'll share some of that today. People have often asked me if I ever dealt with depression during my recovery from borderline personality disorder. And, well, the truth is that uh, the last symptom, the very last symptom to go once I had genuinely recovered from borderline personality disorder was, was depression. So, yes, I did. I have suffered from depression. Now, I also, I revealed not too long ago that I, I also suffer from a, a seasonal type of melancholy every year. And that's been a lifelong thing. But for many years, I didn't, since I didn't know what borderline personality disorder was, and I didn't know that I had borderline personality disorder, there was no way for me to make that mental separation. Okay, this is one thing and this is the other thing. Before I understood that I had a disorder, that I had borderline personality disorder, the way things were for me, inside of myself, what I was experiencing as I was living life was just the way things are. It was just the way things are. It never, ever occurred to me, never, that I actually had a disorder, that things weren't supposed to be like that for me. That my interactions and feelings and perceptions aren't the way that things are supposed to be. So it wasn't until my crisis that I had that revelation. Before then, however things were, whatever I felt, however I experienced the world, that's how things were for everybody. Not just for me, that's the way things were. So I was uh, just dealing with it the best I could. Now, of course, after recovery, I'm able to look back and say, okay, that depression, that, that, that perpetual sadness that was at the root of everything, that was borderline personality disorder. This other thing, this melancholy that I experienced seasonally, is just this mel uh, seasonal melancholy. So two different things. I still experience the melancholy. It's not a big deal. I talked about it back in the fall when I was doing this podcast. But as far as the outright depression, that was the last symptom of borderline personality disorder to go, I haven't experienced that since I recovered. And that was about three years ago. So three years ago is about the time that I estimate when I finally got the last remaining effects of borderline personality disorder out of my system and emotionally healed from all the devastating, devastating events that led me to discover the existence of the disorder in the first place, which is the crisis that I often refer to. And the crisis was an event that happened in 2010, which brought about the collapse of my marriage. And basically what it was is that the effects of the disorder reached an unsustainable level. So all of my life, I had lived like this island with a big fortress castle wall around it, trying to handle and manage everything on my own without any type of intimacy or uh, connections to help me evaluate when my thinking was wrong or to offer me help and guidance or to help uh, shoulder some of the weight of the pressures I dealt with that all people deal with. I was doing it all on my own. And when this crisis happened, it was like, it was like a dam, like a dam with a crack in it. 
that's been holding back these tremendous waters for decades. And the waters have just kept climbing and climbing and climbing and increasing and increasing. Until finally that dam fails. And that's what my crisis was like. At that point in my life, the effects of borderline personality disorder, which I had contained for the most part, for the most part, I had been able to contain them. I had been able to uh, ignore certain aspects of, uh, of it and resist certain influences and compulsions and thoughts and ideas that the disorder wanted to compel me into. I had resisted that um, for moral reasons and for uh, my value of principle and my knowledge of what is right and what is wrong. Once the dam broke, all of that was gone. I was now operating at the whims of the disorder. The disorder was having me do this and that, and I, was, I had no power to resist it. Now, I should mention that something happened not long before. So this was in 2010. In 2005, my lifelong best friend had been killed in a car accident, in a tragic car accident in Toledo, Ohio. And that had a profound effect on me. I had dreams of him almost every night where we used to love going to see movies together. We were crazy about movies. And all of these dreams, in all of these dreams, he and I were sitting in a movie theater and watching a movie. You know, and you know the, um, the way a person looks in, the, in a dark movie theater. You look over at them and you can see kind of their silhouette, but you also see the highlights from the light coming off the screen. Uh, that's how he was in my dream because we were sitting in a movie theater. And uh, I'd look over at him. And feel appreciation for being there with him. You know, the enjoyment of being there with my friend, enjoying a shared experience. But then it would occur to me in the dream that he was dead. That he had been killed in a car accident. And I would, I would realize this in the dream. And I would look at him. And in my dream, I, I was astonished that there he was. There he was watching the movie with me and uh, I would I would look at the detail on his face you know uh, everything was there everything was there just like it was supposed to be and he was laughing at the movie or you know uh, sitting there or reacting to the movie and I was just blown away that that somehow somehow he was here he was here with me again but I knew he was dead at the same time. And then it would occur to me that I have an opportunity here to save him from ever getting in that car accident. And I would sit there in the movie theater with this knowledge that he will die in a car accident. I don't know how he's here again, but I have an opportunity to prevent this terrible tragedy from happening. And then it would also occur to me, it would also occur to me that if I reveal to him that he's been killed in a car accident, 
that this knowledge, he will remember dying, he will remember the accident, and this knowledge will drive him mad. The dreams were both lovely and terrifying. They were, they were lovely and tragic. Because on the one hand, here I am with my friend, my best friend in my entire life. Right? <clears throat> and on the other hand, I can't prevent what's going to happen because if I do, the the horror of what will happen to him is just as bad as the accident itself. So I had these dreams for years. Uh, I don't have them anymore, but I had them for years. And uh, that was in 2005. Uh, of course, I was still having these dreams up in 2010 when I had my crisis. And looking back, I think that uh, I connect the two things. Certainly, certainly they're related. The fact that that happened, I had borderline personality disorder. It's a disorder that involves not processing one's feelings. So I had these feelings that I, of terrible uh, tragedy and uh, loss built up inside of me that uh, I had never processed. And eventually that uh, it was just overwhelming. And I often wonder, had Jordan not been killed in that car accident, Would I have ever had that crisis? Well, it's hard to tell, but uh, things worked out the way they did. The crisis happened. The effects of the disorder reached an unsustainable level and... Uh, you know, I broke down. I started uh, behaving crazily outside of my my sense of norms and values. So for the next six or seven years during the greatest part of my recovery, in other words, during the time that I had to put in the most effort to comprehensively understand the nature and causes of borderline personality disorder and then and then figure out logical, practical ways to eliminate those causes, that was when I endured the worst longest depression of my entire life. It was a physical throbbing, heavy pain that uh, I dragged around inside of myself like a gloomy, gray, dead weight. It's impossible to adequately describe those dull, torturous years. I'd, You know, I'd need to be a master poet. The sun simply did not shine for over half a decade. But in fact... I used that pain to drive myself forward. I kept telling myself, if I do this right, if I endure it, not only will I come out on the other side of this a much stronger, knowledgeable, wiser man, 
with a profound understanding of the world from direct experience. But I will never, ever have to experience pain from the same cause again. Now, on top of the natural effects of having borderline personality disorder, here are some of the things that contributed to this period of intense depression briefly. The weighty realities of my life that I had to come to terms with. These were other things that I dealt with. This, these are the results of my behaviors after the crisis that uh, caused me to realize I had borderline personality disorder. Number one, the divorce from my wife of 10 years. We had been together for 10 years. We hadn't been married for 10 years. We had been together for 10 years, who I loved very much and uh, was the last person, the last person who ever deserved to be hurt and betrayed. Number two, my guilt for having betrayed her. Number three, the guilt that her father was dying with Alzheimer's disease when she learned of all my betrayals. Number four, the destroyed relationship with my mistress, who I also loved very much and who was pregnant with our baby. Number five, the miscarriage of the baby. Number six, the loss of my home and of all of my material possessions. Number seven, I don't have these numbered, so I'm going to lose count, but <laughs> number seven, the loss of all my close friends, most of all of my close friends who could not accept or get their minds around the fact that I was apparently not the person they thought they knew. The loss of my dog, the loss of my job in the midst of a great recession. And then there were years of bouncing from one new job to the next, trying to reestablish re some stability in my life. Learning of my ex-wife's marriage to a man who was once my friend, barely two years after our, our divorce. And that was painful. That was really painful. I'll tell you why. Because I could not foresee a future where I would ever feel love again, where I would ever feel romantic feelings again. Things were that dark. So while I was still dealing with that, those, the, that feeling of loss, it was, like, it was like somebody I loved had died. And while I was still dealing with that, I learned that my ex-wife had gotten married. She was already over me and was marrying a, a friend of mine, a mutual friend of ours. The next thing was uh, learning of my mistress's marriage and the birth of her two children with her new husband. So all these people, just very shortly, I mean relatively shortly, after I had had this enormous collapse in my life, they were all, they were already over it, already over me. And uh, moving on, and their lives were doing well. There was the growing, crushing debt that I was dealing with, depletion of savings, the stress from my lack of ability to pay the basic necessities of life, Five moves across five completely different U.S. states, hundreds of miles apart, because I was following work. These are just a few of the things that top the list, but I endured it. 
And I can honestly say that having eliminated borderline personality disorder, although it was a very slow process at times, during some incredibly tough times, it's undoubtedly going to go down as one of the smartest, most powerful achievements of my life. This is why I say that it took me seven years to recover from borderline personality disorder. It doesn't have to take you that long. It took me that long because I was dealing with some real, real stuff. You know, a lot of distractions, instability, coming to terms with a lot of damage that I had caused. It doesn't have to take you seven years. If a person has stability in their life, they can, of course, make progress much faster than what I was during those years. So now, despite you know me sniffling into the microphone, I feel wonderful. I'm now naturally, inherently optimistic, free of any negative weight or persisting gloom. Of course, there are things that uh, still get me angry and sad, uh, clearly. But appropriately, these are healthy emotions and uh, appropriate emotions. I don't want people with uh, borderline personality disorder to think that recovery somehow means enjoying human perfection. I've never said that. What I've said instead, and it's true, is that you emerge emotionally healthy, fundamentally content for someone who's lived their entire life with borderline personality disorder, either knowingly or unknowingly. Emotionally healthy. It's not too far from perfection. i got to tell you, it feels pretty good, relatively speaking. It feels great. I'm an inherently happy person now. I'm, I'm, and when I say that, I don't mean that I never get uh, mad or angry or sad or anything like that. What I mean is that uh, I am content. I'm a content person. That's, that's the underlying emotion. It's my natural state. But most importantly, I've broken the cycle. I will never again have to experience the unbearable pain and consequences that result from borderline personality disorder. Before it was just a cycle, you know. Uh, my The wife I always talk about was not my first wife, uh, nor was she my first relationship. I had dozens of relationships that I ruined in similar ways, not quite as drastically as the one that I used to talk to you all about so that uh, that was heavy that was a heavy episode uh, but um, as you've probably learned by now when I talk about borderline personality disorder and my personal experiences with it not a whole lot is off the table uh, I like to share it openly and freely uh, not something I would have ever done the first 35 years of my life but now I, I simply feel no shame in it, no shame at all. Furthermore, I think that people who are in your position, if you're somebody trying to recover from borderline personality disorder, needs access to a voice on the subject who will be painfully honest with you about how he escaped it, the realities that he dealt with and continues to deal with, you know, uh, the death of my friend. Is something that weighs heavy on my mind all these years later you know we're talking almost 15 years now have passed and look how he remains a, a force in my life 
So uh, this is just life, folks. It's it's some things are just real life, and uh, can't run from them. Got to learn how to live with the reality that you're dealing with, and, and not deny it. Just to face it head on. As always, I, I thank you for listening. I hope to see you next Thursday. Until then, don't let this podcast get you down. Think positive things, and I'll see you on Thursday.